BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Radio, on TV, and online. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, hey, on a Tuesday, October 3rd, uh-uh, if you tuned in for thoughts and prayers, uh, you found the wrong place. Uh-uh, we don't want any thoughts and prayers. No more thoughts and prayers. It is nothing but an excuse for inaction. If I remember Congress, I wouldn't have shown up when Paul Ryan, that's the best he could do, is we'll have a moment of silence in the House. Baloney time for action, time for them, as Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut said, time for Congress to get off its ass and recognize the problem with gun violence in this country and do something about it. Hello, everybody. That's the dominant topic today on uh, the cable news, on the front page of every newspaper, and on our show this morning as well. Good to see you today on this Tuesday, October 3rd, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital and our studio on Capitol Hill with uh, a look joining you, as always, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On Free Speech TV, how about it? Good to see you out there in TV land. And hello, Chicago, on the big progressive foghorn of the, Chicago, of the entire greater Chicago area. Yep. WCPT, we are there. And uh, Peter Rockburn here for two days in a row. We told you it was a rapid recovery and a miraculous recovery, and uh, here is our own Steve Scalise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking coming back to work. <laughs> I'd rather be in bed right now. Too late now, do it. Too late now, do it. I know, exactly. Mm-hmm. No going back. You committed yourself. <laughs> you are in. And remember, on all the news of the day, we want to hear from you, uh, as always, uh, on Twitter. Send us your comments, at BP Show. And don't forget the podcast. Podcast, booming, booming, growing every day. You go to BillPressShow.com, and you can catch up on the podcast the entire two hours, any part of the show you want to listen to that you might have missed in the morning, uh, or, you know, go wherever you follow your podcast on uh, iTunes or whatever, right? Yeah, easy, easy, easy to get. And if you you do have (laughs) iTunes and you subscribe to the podcast, It'll automatically download into your phone or just show up in your phone. You can listen to every single day. You can take it with you on a plane, on a train, in your car, to the gym, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can listen right. to it. Right. You got it. So it uh, it's hard to escape uh, Las Vegas, and uh, there is so much to r- lament about it, regret about it, be pissed off about it. 
I mean, Donald Trump yesterday uh, said one thing we certainly could all agree with. For once, he was scripted. For once, he stuck to his script. And he kind of summed it up, in, or somebody did for him. Yeah. It was an act of pure evil. Indeed, it was. But what a sick country we are if we allow that act of pure evil to go and just disappear and we do nothing about it. We accept it as the new normal, which we cannot. The facts that we know, 59 people dead, 59 killed by this mad gunman shooting at them. I mean, uh, they, they say this was there were so many dead because he had such powerful weapons and he was up at the 32nd floor of the hotel firing down on them. They were literally sitting ducks, 527 wounded. I mean, unbelievable carnage. I I think that this, more than any uh, uh, shooting that we've had in this country, really, really, really highlights just how stupid we've been with our gun laws. All right, so you look after Sandy Hook, and one of the big arguments that the NRA made was, well, we need more good guys with guns to stop the bad guys with guns. And, like, that is extremely weak, right? But there is some logic there that their people could grab onto because if there had been someone there with a gun, maybe. Maybe. I think that is a quantum leap. But in this situation, you had a madman 500 yards away on the 32nd floor of a hotel. If everybody in that audience had had a gun, what the hell were they going to do? No, in fact. They can't shoot at the hotel. No, in fact, the police, that they were really hampered because they could not shoot at the hotel because there were so many civilians. There were so many people in the hotel. So they, right. they had to go up inside the hotel and get to the room. And we know now that he shot through the door and hit one police officer. They backed up. Then they got a little explosive and blew the door down. By this time, he had killed himself. So in the room, in the room, he had 20 Three guns, um, including their the, the AK-47s, AR-15s, whatever. Uh, he knocked out two windows. Uh, he had juiced those guns up, so semi-automatic. So they fired. They were fired as an automatic, as a machine gun, which is and, remarkable. And he had them on tripods. He had cased out that room. He had two rooms side by side. So he had a corner room and a and a front room. Both of them looking down on this site where he knew this concert uh, was taking place. Uh, again, 23 guns in the room and 19 guns at home for a total of 42 guns. You tell me this is what the Second Amendment prete- uh, protects, and I'll tell you, you are full of you-know-what. I mean, there is nobody, nobody with half a brain who could make that argument. Nobody, nobody can make the argument that this is what our founding fathers Intended when they wrote when they wrote the Second Amendment. Who needs forty-two guns? Who knows forty-two guns? And you know they say, well, there's nothing you could have done about. Yes, there is. How about the ban on assault weapons? He could not have bought these weapons if there were still a ban on assault weapons. And how about a federal register so that we keep track of who's buying the guns? And so if you see somebody who's buying three guns, maybe you it raises a little flag, right? Certainly, if you see somebody who's buying. 42 semi-automatic weapons of war. You want you want to talk to this guy, yeah. right? 
I want to say, hey, this is is a little, little tad excessive. And the idea, again, that we'll do nothing about this is just absolutely uh, insane. And then, of course, we hear the same old crap. We told you yesterday morning on our show, this is what we're going to hear from Sarah Sanders and Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and all those other Republicans. Here is Sarah Sanders at the briefing yesterday. Today is a day for consoling the survivors uh, and mourning those we lost. Our thoughts and prayers are certainly with all of those individuals. Um, this is There's a time and place for a political debate, uh, but now is the time to unite as a country. No, no, no. Now is the time. I mean, when is the time, right? Yeah. Okay, we were told after uh, Virginia Tech, 32 killed. No, no, now's not the time. After Sandy Hook, 20 little first graders, five adult teachers, now's not the time. After Charleston, nine killed in the church, no, now's not the time. After the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, which until two days ago was the worst mass murder in this country, 49 killed, Uh, no, now's not the time to talk about guns. And now we have the very worst with 59 killed, and we're told again, Now is not the time. Oh, yes, it is. Now is the time. And if not now, when? Elizabeth Warren yesterday saying this whole idea that all we do now is turn to um, thoughts and prayers. No, she says, thoughts and prayers, just not enough. Thoughts and prayers are good, but they are simply not enough. Thoughts and prayers are not enough when more moms and dads will bury their children this week. And thoughts and prayers are not enough when sons and daughters will be forced to grow up without their parents. You know, the other thing about this is why is Congress afraid to act? I don't know. The NRA is really not that strong. One of our best friends, John Yarmouth from Kentucky, has been on the NRA's hit list. I'm leaving off the S there. Uh, for a long time because he's always been a strong proponent of not taking people's guns away. Nobody's calling for that. But just sensible gun safety laws. And John Yarmouth has won re-election after re-election after re-election. You can take on. Look at Barack Obama. Sure. They went after him twice. They said, he's this man's going to take your guns away, right, to try to beat him in 2008, to try to uh, deny him a second term in 2012. Barack Obama won easily. You know, I mean, it, it's I mean, up until he insane. left office, there was a lie going around that Barack Obama wanted to round up and take everybody's guns away. Me, Peter Ogburn, I think you should take everybody's guns away and melt them down and, yeah. you know, build a monument to I, the gun violence here in this country. I wish. That's me. I wish. I'm never going to be president, <laughs> right, right? So, right. like, I understand that, like, if you want to be president, you got to do something a little but, bit more measured. And what Republicans are saying is we're not going to schedule a time and place no matter how many more no, of no, these no, tragedies no, no, happen. No. It's up to you as an American voter to vote for Democratic candidates who support gun control legislation uh, and who are not getting paid by the NRA or any other special interest And groups. by the way, there are not enough of those Democrats either. No. Let's be honest. There are not enough good point. Democrats with the balls listen, to take on the NRA listen, either. We have a sickness in this country. Guns are a cancer on this country. And if you had a child who, God forbid, got cancer, you wouldn't just say, 
oh, my thoughts and prayers are with you, and yeah, I hope right. you get no, better. You, do. you take action. You do everything you can to try exactly. and make it better. Exactly. And there's, it, this is insane. Yeah. It's insane that we won't do anything. By the way, so I saw you this morning, um, whenever, looking at this. Again, why be afraid of the NRA? Uh, according to the latest Pew poll, okay, here's, so here's what the American people think about what's been proposed, some, some sensible gun safety legislation. Closing the gun show loophole, I don't know where this guy bought his gun. Some of them he bought at a gun shop, we know that. But, you know, the idea that if you go to one of these gun shows, by the way, a lot of which are held in sure. Las Vegas. Sure, No, I mean, you want to know how you get away with having 42 guns in yeah. your life? you go to I a mean, gun show. and They're, they're you, everywhere. There's no, no background check. So closing the gun show loophole, 85% of Americans agree with that, Republicans and Democrats. Now's not the time to talk about it. No, no, no. But don't pull this uh, How about How about just preventing people mentally ill from buying a gun? You would think that 79% of Americans agree with that. No. Fed, uh, uh, setting up a federal database, which would have caught this guy with multiple, multiple guns, right? 70% of Americans agree with that. Banning assault weapons, even, which we had at one time, of course, expired. George W. Bush never uh, renewed it. Neither did Barack Obama. Fifty-seven percent of Americans across the board uh, uh, agree with that. So uh, the American people are behind this. And the worst thing we can do, and a couple of people made this point yesterday, is accept that this kind of gun violence is the new normal. In fact, it's not. It is not. We Let's not accept this. Let's not get used to this. Yes, it's happening with greater and greater frequency. It's because we've been cowed into not taking any action. Mark Kelly, astronaut, husband of Gabby Giffords, the two of them, Gabby Giffords, of course, who was shot uh, in Tucson outside the supermarket and and uh, um, has still not completely recovered. She and Gabby Giffords at the Capitol yesterday and Mark Giffords, Mark Kelly, rather, making the point that, you know, this is not inevitable that we have to have this happen. Fellow Americans, we don't have to accept this as normal. It's not normal. It's not inevitable. It's an epidemic that needs to be cured. Yes, God. indeed. And by the way, you know what was scheduled yesterday for a vote in the House? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The latest Republican bill on gun safety, <laughs> which is going in the exact opposite direction, um, they postponed the hearing I forget the last time they postponed this hearing. Alex uh, Seitzwald was telling us yesterday. Remember, oh, he was yeah, scheduled yeah, to go. Yeah, I forgot. Something terrible happened, and they. Was, oh no! It was the day that Steve Scalise was shot. Oh right, That's right? right. That's right. So they had this bill, and they then they put it off. It was it was up for a vote again yesterday, and they delayed it again. And what their bill would do would make it easier to buy a silencer. Okay. Again, which had the White House's backing, Donald Trump the White Jr. House's backing. even has been yes. way out in yes. front of this. Why? Why do you need? If you need a gun to defend yourself, if you make that argument to defend your family, why do you need a silencer? Right? You know, a silencer. You know who uses silencers? Killers. Killers use silencers. Exactly. So this bill, the Republican bill, would do three things. It would make it easier to buy silencers. Uh, it would make it easier to buy guns and take them across state lines, and it would um, l uh, reduce the number of weapons 
which are called armor-piercing weapons. In other words, make it easier to buy armor-piercing weapons, which, of course, o- only the police will have. You're that's, only shooting a cop. Yeah, that's right. That's the Republican response. That's the one bill that's out there, and that's the only only gun bill that's out there. That's the one the Republicans are supporting. That was up for a vote yesterday. You know, one other thing on this that I, I haven't heard anybody else talk about, but I, I, I saw one column this morning on this point. Um, if you go to the NRA website, you will find uh, across the top of the page um, shout-outs to country western singers. The NRA has made a big deal out of linking up with country western music because mm-hmm. these are our people, right? Mm-hmm. And they're saying, and, and let's face it, some country western People have been out there at NRA oh, shows. Oh, absolutely. Right? Oh, absolutely. There's Sing a video of, of Lee Greenwood who's, who sings the song God Bless the USA, which we hear every 4th yeah. of July, of him at the NRA convention saying God Bless the NRA instead right. of the USA. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they're out there. Uh-huh. No, they are. Right. And who's the one big nut, you know, on the thing? Ted Nugent. The Ted Nugent. Sweaty Teddy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. Well, let's remember... Uh, this was a country western music festival yesterday, in, or this weekend in Las Vegas. The Harvest Festival went on for three days, right? Uh, uh, where are the country western stars who are going to speak up and say, this is outrageous, this is wrong, you know, these are our people, this should never have happened, the NRA is wrong not to step up to these kind of weapons. Where are the country western stars who are going to say country? I want to see them. I want to. I'll hear say them. one. I'll say one person that was out there yesterday that nobody paid attention to on the right. Uh, it's a guitar player by the name of Caleb Keeter who plays with the Josh Abbott Band, one of the bands that played at that festival. He yeah. put out a statement where he says, "I've been a proponent of the Second Amendment my entire life until the events of last night. I cannot express how wrong I was." Whoa! Good we for actually him. have members good of our crew him. with. Uh, Conceal and carry licenses and legal firearms on the bus. They were useless. Enough is enough. And he goes on to say, like, we we need to just stop our love affair with guns in this country. Good for him. Now, you don't see any right-wingers talking about that. You don't see them talking about the country and western. Yeah, I just said, I want to hear from them. There's one. That's one. Let's let's, let's hear some more. You know, this was a direct, this was an attack on them. We ask you for your comments on Twitter, uh, at BP Show. Jamie, what do we got? Your comments are pouring in ever since yesterday morning, in fact. <laughs> Edwin on Twitter saying, even the victims of Sandy Hook couldn't get Congress to pass some sort of legislation. Not sure if anything can with the NRA running the show. Annette says, can we also talk about why men are so angry and violent in this country? That's a good topic to raise as well. Uh, yes, no, it sure is. I absolutely. mean, this guy, by the way, let's just stop for a second. This guy, in a sense, he's a loser, but he had everything going for him. He hadn't had a job in 30 years. He was supporting himself by gambling. Yeah. He's got this house. He owned two different two planes. He had tons of money. Obviously, he bought all these guns, and he was, uh, you know, a, a, a loser living, but living the good life in Vegas. Just making it off the gambling table. He also never had a father because his father was in jail for robbing banks. So and that's another psych- thing And to was bring a up. psychopath. Yeah. yeah. One more comment from our YouTube chat room. RB says, how many people who were attending the country concert had guns? 
guns which were useless in trying to thwart a madman 1,500 feet away, 300 feet in the air. Yeah, right. There you go. Keep those comments coming in on Twitter at BP Show and in our YouTube chat room, youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show. One right. of the most vile arguments mm-hmm. I think I saw yesterday came from, uh, you won't be surprised, it came from Bill O'Reilly. Oh, God. Uh, disgusting. Who disgusting. Wrote on his website because he doesn't have a show anymore because he sexually uh, harassed all the women that worked at Fox News. But he said uh, about the shooting and about the access mm-hmm. to guns. This is the price of freedom. No, it's not. Violent nuts are allowed to roam free until they do damage, no matter how threatening they are. The Second Amendment is clear that Americans have the right to arm themselves for for protection, dot, 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 even the lunatics. So he makes an argument that even people, mentally ill people, should have guns. Right. Uh, uh, Let me tell you something. I value my freedom. We don't have to pay. We don't have to have 59 people mowed down in a parking lot in Las Vegas in order to be free. No. But by the way, I said earlier, I don't want to hear from Scaramucci ever again. <laughs> I'd rather hear from Scaramucci than Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Sure. Biggest, the biggest loser of all. Uh, there are, uh, by the way, uh, the lineup of our guest today. Uh, we start off with one of our really good friends, Congresswoman Sherry Bustos from Illinois, uh, just back from the big Iowa steak fry. We'll get the latest on, on that from her. Um, ben Wickler, uh, our good friend from MoveOn.org, Washington director of MoveOn.org, who led the protest uh, to uh, st- uh, screech to a halt the uh, attempts to repeal Obamacare and very successfully did so. We'll be here in studio with us. And then Matt Laszlo joining us from Rolling Stone uh, just a little bit uh, later. Uh, a couple of other stories we wanted to touch on today. Um we uh, maybe it was last week we learned that uh, oh my god after making such a fuss about Hillary setting up a private server for her emails when she was secretary of state what was it 15 congressional hearings on that Donald Trump saying uh, she had committed a crime and should be locked up and her his crowds chanting lock her up lock her up we found out that his daughter Ivanka Trump also had a private email server and so did Jared Kushner uh, his son-in-law, and now we find out that there was yet a third account set up that in addition to Ivanka's account and Jared Kushner's account, they had a third account that they shared, sort of a Kushner-Trump household account, uh, all of which were receiving and were conducting, a, a, all, a, on all three accounts, uh, official White House business was conducted on a private email server set up in their home because their lawyer says it was just more convenient for them to do that than go through the government bureaucracy. <clears throat> well, uh, <clears throat> Tom Price is gone. How long before uh, Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump maybe move back to? Uh, maybe the optics don't look so good here. <laughs> right? Yeah. The optics of running a campaign against someone who had a personal email account. And then turn them. around that you're doing the same the thing. The same thing. But which they didn't do in New York. Well, they had their, I'm sure they had their private account in New York, but they did it once they got to Washington after making basically half of his campaign was about Hillary's emails, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, so. I'd say more than half of his campaign, yeah. but yeah, like but, that's that was the, that was the big argument. So monumentally stupid. 
Uh, and this is going to be very, very interesting, folks. We will watch this uh, and just uh, see what happens. But, yes, after attacking them for being so lazy, after attacking them for not paying their bills, uh, after attacking them for not fixing their infrastructure, after accusing them, the mayor of San Juan, for sure, of bad leadership, after saying that these are uh, good-for-nothing people who just have their hand out all the time and don't want to do anything for themselves, they want somebody else to do everything for them, after all of that, Donald Trump is going to Puerto Rico today. Yes. Uh, and after ignoring them for almost two weeks after the worst hurricane to strike that island in 90 years had just leveled homes, left the entire island without electricity, destroyed uh, the whole transportation system, bridges and roadways. Yes, Donald Trump is going to go there today to brag about um, how fast uh, or how well the administration uh, has responded. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting reception, don't you think? I mean, who people, on that island is going to welcome him with open arms besides their dopey governor? Their dopey governor, probably. But, you know, uh, people are polite. Uh, but maybe Donald Trump knows that, well, he learned, rather, that they're an island. Mm. Right? Surrounded by water. Big water. Big water. Ocean oh, water. Ocean water. Mm -hmm. With turtles that bite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but maybe he'll uh, has he has he learned yet that these are American citizens? Yeah, that you that he as president of the United States should not be attacking and then expect to go down there and be received like royalty. After all these days of living in hell, yeah, chutzpah. Let's just remember last weekend by CBS count of CBS, Donald Trump tweeted out. 22 times attacking NFL players for taking a knee. Not one. This was the weekend of the hurricane. Not one about the people of Puerto Rico and the suffering of uh, so many Americans down there. Uh, well, so we'll see what happens in Puerto Rico today. We'll take a quick break and come back uh, and talk uh, politics a moment and whether we can expect any action from Congress on anything with a good friend, Congresswoman Sherry Bustos from Illinois, 17th Congressional District, coming up. Maybe I'm nuts, but I would like to think we can put politics aside and agree that no American citizen needs an M16 or 10 of them. And maybe that way we don't do this again. I mean, that seems very reasonable to me. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Hey, here we go now on this Tuesday, October 3rd. So good to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us. Booming out to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., in our studio on Capitol Hill. And uh, as we mention often, we uh, love being on Capitol Hill because, you know, we just uh, walk down the street and snag members of Congress on their way to the office. You know? yeah. <laughs> Amazing who's walking by. And look who's walking by today. We're so glad she took time to stop up and say hello. 
uh, from Illinois' 17th Congressional District, the great uh, Congresswoman Sherry Bustos. Hello, Congresswoman. Hello, Bill. Nice to see you. Good to see you, too. You're looking good. You have Thank been you. Uh, back. For, you're back from Iowa in the steak fry. We yes. saw that you were out yeah. there. I yeah. want to hear all about that. Uh, first, I think Peter's got some. We've, uh, Congresswoman, we've been attacked. And, you know, <laughs> we're like Donald Trump. You attack us, we attack back. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, look, so in the, in the last segment, we were talking about Las Vegas. And I said, let's get rid of all the guns. Take all the guns, melt them all down, make a monument to all the lives lost, gun violence in America. Um, noted uh, right-wing blowhard Hugh Hewitt now, says... Now, Hugh Hewitt's a friend of mine. Yeah, he's also I, a right-wing blowhard. <laughs> he and I have been... Uh, we did uh, radio <laughs> together and, uh, at KFI out in Los Angeles years ago. So Hugh Hewitt asks you, Bill mm-hmm. Press, Bill, is that your belief? There are 310 million weapons in the United States. Between one-third and 45% of households own them. Are we talking about confiscation of guns? Uh, I would say, Hugh Hewitt, no, that's my wacky producer. Uh, <laughs> there he goes again, throwing producers under the bus. <laughs> Throw producers under the bus, that's what I do. No, but if that happened, I would not object to it. I, You know, that would be fine with me. But that has never been my position. And that is not the position of 99.9% of people who think we need some sensible gun safety laws. I'd be happy with the things that we talked about that I mentioned um, with, here they are, um, closing the gun show loophole, uh, making sure that mentally ill uh, people are not uh, able to buy a gun, having a federal database. So, by the way, we notice when somebody bought 42 freaking guns that there's something wrong with this guy, uh, and a ban, totally renewing the ban on assault weapons. Uh, I'd be happy with that. Fair I'd, enough. I'd also, and I voted for this before, ban handguns too, but that's a... That's what on. So I'm maybe just a little short of where Peter would go, but I mean, Fair. don't change the subject. We need sensible gun safety legislation. Uh, thank you, Hugh Hewitt, um, and maybe you'll get it right one of these days. All right, back to Congresswoman Sherman. <laughs> so I want to I want to start with a clip from one of your colleagues yesterday, a, a woman who's right on the front lines, if you will, Congresswoman. Uh, N- N- Dina Titus. Dina Titus from Las yes, represents. Yeah. Las Vegas. She's a close friend of mine. And, uh, you know, when um, the speaker called for a moment of silence Mm -hmm. yesterday, here was her response. Okay. Grieve today, and then after today, we will move (laughs) forward and start talking about why we don't need one more moment of silence in Congress for victims of gun violence. Thank you very much. But we're told, Congresswoman, that now's not the time to talk about gun safety after the worst massacre in U.S. history. Do you think we're going to see any action? No, it's such a divided Congress, and and this is uh, an an issue that uh, there just doesn't seem to be a place where we can find common ground. We've got reasonable legislation. Bill, you started out by talking about closing the gun show loophole. Uh, to have criminal background checks to make sure people who are deranged in any way don't have access to weapons. And um, that, that's reasonable. And, and I come from a district where, yeah, where yeah. the NRA is a very popular organization. And, and I think even as Democrats, if we look for a way to uh, talk about this to, for, so we can find some common ground, too, 
I, th- I think there's there's a way to do that. Now, here, here's how I talk about guns. I, I happen to be married to the sheriff of Rock Island County, which is <laughs> which is where I live. So I can start out by saying I have a husband who is armed every day. Um, we have my husband. And I have three sons. Our our oldest uh, went to Iowa State, even though we live in Illinois, and was second in the nation in collegiate trap shooting. Um, our uh, all three of our boys are outdoorsmen. They they hunt and um, and I own a gun myself. However, um, I also think we ought to be reasonable about this. I'm I'm pro Second Amendment, but is is it wrong to say that, uh, for instance, if you're on the terrorist watch list, that you should not be able to walk into a Walmart or anywhere else and buy a gun? I I don't think that's so unreasonable. So if we could just take a step back and say, let's at least have this dialogue. And and in Congress, we're not even able to have that dialogue because the leadership um, on the Republican side of the aisle will not, uh, does not have a willingness to bring this up, even to talk about it, to to research gun violence and what that's done to our country. Right. I mean, you know, Gabby Giffords was there at mm-hmm. the at, at the Capitol yesterday with her husband, Mark Kelly. And the point that, that Mark Kelly made, if we could hear that again, Jamie, is that you know, we've we've sort of become insensitized to these mass murders, as if what can we do about it, right? And we just yeah, have to sort of accept it. How sad is that? Yeah. Here's Mark Kelly. Yeah. Fellow Americans, we don't have to accept this as normal. It's not normal. It's not inevitable. It's an epidemic that needs to be cured. Yeah. Well, and 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 look at the place from which the Giffords speak. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, the, what what happened in uh, uh, Newtown and um, with this, we, we can't just not do anything. And I understand the emotion attached to Dina Titus. She's from uh, Nevada. And uh, to to once again see a moment of silence and yet no reasonable dialogue about what we're going to do about about this. Now, you know, the, the other thing is if, if somebody's deranged, they're, they're going to find a way to do whatever it is their um, mind, um, wh- wherever their mind wants to send them. You know, whether it's a, a bomb or a, driving a dump truck into to a crowd or whatever it is, they're going to find a way to do that. But I, we, we just need to have this dialogue and figure out what we can do that's reasonable. Where can we come together? Yeah. Um, and it, 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 I'm thinking too. You mentioned uh, your husband. I didn't realize you're married to the sheriff of, your, ca- of yes. your county there. But I mean, our law enforcement officers are on the line too. You know, when some of these nuts end up having guns. Look, there was a there was a police officer killed in Las Vegas. Well, and the, and the the irony of what was supposed to have happened this week in Congress. I don't know if you know this, but the de- bill that we were going mm-hmm. to be debating right. was about legalizing silencers yeah, yeah. to go on guns. And uh, a colleague of mine, uh, Mike Thompson, uh, from great California. Guy from Napa, California. Great guy. And in, in fact, Bill, you ought to have him on your show to talk about this. He is um, he owns a lot of guns and he is he's chair of the Gun Safety Caucus. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, this guy speaks from an area that is very understandable. But he, what he's saying about the silencers that are made now Apparently, they're not like the the kind that you see on the the old shows where you you screw them in the end yeah, of that. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. but apparently, they they go on the gun and they disperse the sound, and so someone in law enforcement could not tell mm. where a shot is oh, being wow. fired. So you think about the danger of that, and it's being billed as an ear protective device by the Republicans in Congress. 
And, you know, that's a that's a bad place to be. I talked with my husband about this. Who, nobody in law enforcement thinks this is a good idea. Just, like, what no, no, what, no. what is know, the I, logic behind that? Yeah. I, I don't understand why you would need that. What's the practical use for that? There is not a practical use for yeah. it unless you're yeah. a criminal. Right. Um, and want to hide what you are doing or somehow um, uh, mislead law enforcement uh, about what you are what you are doing, and it's just it's, it's cr- there's crazy. no practical application for that. You there can't use that in hunting or you know whatever. I That's mean, right. there's I, but, I, I don't get it. But That's you right. know, uh, uh, as strong as my views are, and Peter's being maybe even a little stronger on this issue, I'd be happy to settle for saying, okay, Republicans and Democrats, let's just we'll, let's just step aside and let's let law enforcement draw up. The legislation that we ought to have on gun safety. Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. And you know what? It would be pretty strong. But you know, that's a great idea. It would be pretty strong. And I'll tell you one thing: the NRA would not like it, but who cares? Well, right? I, that's actually a really good idea. Seriously, I, I'd be happy with that because, from what I've seen, police chiefs, sheriffs, you know, law enforcement—they're on the front lines. Absolutely, they don't want these nuts being able to buy forty-two semi-automatic rifles and then be able to juice them up so that they become automatic guns? I mean, yeah, really? A, a very sad day I mean, in our, our, you our really history. you really think that's what our founding fathers had, yeah. had in mind when they wrote the Second Amendment? I don't think and, so. And you think about what the, the what? not not just for the families who, who lost their loved ones, and you think about the other people who were shot or injured um, and just what they will be going through for the rest of their lives. I mean, it's a, just a horrible chapter in our history. Congressman Sherry Booster is with us from Illinois' great 17th congressional district. So, Congressman, what were you doing out of the Iowa steak fry? I mean, this is uh, this is a place where uh, it's known that people who are thinking of running for president, they make that's their first stop. Okay, you know? well, I, I should be clear on the fact that I was invited to go to the steak fry <laughs> to talk about Democrats winning in these tough districts um, Which, and you've all got over the one heartland. Of them yeah, uh, yeah. T- Donald Trump carried your district again by he, he. Well, it was it was an 18 point swing from what President Obama won by in 2012 to what President Trump won by in 2016, and I ended up winning by 20 points. So it was one of the largest gaps between what a Democrat won in a congressional district compared with what the, a district that Trump won. There's yeah. only 12 districts like that in the whole country. That Trump won, and then there's a Democrat. So I, that was really more of the reason why I was invited to speak there. What'd you tell him? Well, I, I I talked about the importance of getting off the interstate and and going into towns of 500 people or 200 people or 1,200 people, and not just showing up at so-called democratic events, but but going to places like the town square and just chatting with people. Uh, going to places like the Main Street Pub or even going to local churches and and listening to people. We in um, in in politics, we have a tendency to talk a lot. And I, if we if we sat back and listened a little bit more and, and, and heard people's heartaches and struggles and um, people I, I ran into to this guy at a when I do these supermarket Saturdays and just walk the aisles, um, this guy it, who, who lost his job, his manufacturing job, when it was shipped over to Mexico, got another manufacturing job. That one was sent over to China. And then his third job was working at this grocery store, making half what he was a dozen years mm. before. And those kind of stories I hear all the time. And But you, you learn those things by getting off the interstate and going into these towns. So I think that's number one. And then, as I said, listening to people and then fighting for people when we have a fight on our hands and getting something done. Do you think that Democrats have focused too much on the big cities? 
kind of dependent on the big cities? Well, I think if you look at the 2016 election, uh, yeah. I, it, it's, uh, if you look at the map of the United States and where Democrats are successful and where we, are, we had been very unsuccessful, I think it would show that. And um, I, I'm in Illinois, we have 18 members of Congress. Every Democrat in our congressional delegation is um, in the Chicagoland, except for I'm, I'm the only one outside of Chicagoland. I'm the only downstater uh, Democrat in our congressional delegation in Illinois. And that's, we've got a, if you think about the state of Illinois, it's a very big state. So we got all this, uh, this land mass where the, it's, it's Republican. Right. Um, back here in, in Washington and in the Congress, um, the president um, temporarily, at least, uh, said he was going to suspend the Dreamer, the DACA mm-hmm. program, uh, and threw it to you in Congress and said, "Okay, I'll give you six months to fix it uh, before we we end it uh, entirely." Um, anything got to happen? Oh, it it needs to. Uh, I thought it was encouraging that the president invited Nancy Pelosi and, and Chuck Schumer over to the White House and his, his new BFFs. Well, <laughs> I love the the cover of the uh, the New York Post where it said uh, Don and Nancy sitting in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Thank like you very much, heart. Nancy Chuck. Appreciate it very much. <laughs> yeah, Nancy yeah. Chuck. Nancy yeah, Chuck. I yeah. love that. Uh, it, it, Who, what, what, somebody that we had a reporter, Jen Bendry from Huffington Post. Oh, yesterday. love her. She's awesome. What's she called? Nanchuck. 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 Is that original? Did she make that up? I think so. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That's what she calls it. Nanchuck. She, she's pretty clever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when I see Leader Pelosi today and uh, pass by Chuck Schumer, yeah. Or I'll say, hey, Nanchuck, It needs to happen. We we can't uh, let people live in fear and and uh, this terrible uncertainty. But but the the big picture is we need comprehensive immigration reform. Yeah. And yeah. at one point, if if you think not that long ago, since I've been in Congress, there was actually bipartisan support for that. And then of course, you know that's that's not going anywhere. Um, but but it was an encouraging sign that the president sat down with Nan Chuck, <laughs> and um, and so maybe maybe there's some some hope in that. But um, there has not been anything that's been brought up for discussion since that meeting. And while we need comprehensive, to totally agree, need comprehensive immigration reform. This this is one thing. I mean, I think people can relate to that. These are kids who were brought here by their parents, had nothing to do with it, right? Absolutely. And they they know no. They don't know any other country. Absolutely. Right? This, this is their home. They've, they're in school. They have jobs. They're paying taxes. They serve in the military. At least we can carve them out and say we ought to help them. So if that bill went to – if Paul Ryan would put that bill on the floor, would it I, pass? I think it would, yeah. Here, here, I think the secret to our success in Congress is this, that, that we work with people where we can find this common denominator – um, the, the Freedom Caucus, the, the guys in on the Republican side who literally they, they can't get along with their own leadership. They don't they don't like they don't work de- with Democrats and they don't work with their own leadership. So let's let those 40 some members just forget about those guys because they're mm-hmm. not going to work with us anyway. But the, the folks that are willing to work together, that's where we can make some progress here. And, and I, I believe if it were brought up for a vote, we could get that. We could so pass that. A, uh, remind me, it's 195 Democrats, right? It's yes, r- 194. R- yeah. 194. Yes. And you need 218. So Correct. you don't need that many Republicans. And they've got, what, 235 or something yeah. like that, yeah. right? So, no, we don't. Yeah. We don't. And, and so you're right. Let the Freedom Caucus just float out there, right? And you as know, you wacky know, as they are. The other thing I, for for your listeners, I think it speaks to the point that we we have to do well in 2018. 
Um, We we, we have to pick up 24 seats because um, look look what's happening right now. We can't have meaningful debate on any of these critical issues. I don't know where tax reform is going to go, but but this initial pass at it is is terrible for the middle class. And as, as much as Donald Trump talked about how he wasn't going to hurt the middle class, that's exactly what's happening in this initial tax reform uh, proposition. Well, I'm glad you raised that because I wanted to ask you about this tax reform measure. I mean, I hear Steve Mnuchin, I hear Gary Cohn, I hear Donald Trump say, and Paul Ryan yesterday said, our goal is this whole thing, they all say, this whole thing is uh, helping the, America's middle class, right? They're the ones that need help. When I look at this, now we don't have a bill yet, right? All we have is sort of a... The principles of it, yeah. Right. Yeah. But when you look at the principles that they talk about, they lower the top tax rate from 39 to 30, the bottom rate from 10 to 12, right? They do away with the estate tax. They do away, the, way, do away with the alternative minimum tax. They don't do anything about the carry forward thing, which the hedge fund managers. It hurts are. Medicare. It hurts Medicaid. But 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 if you make so, more than $400,000, you're going to be all right. Exactly. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a terrible concept. Right. So where's the break for the middle class? It, it is not there. It, it hurts the middle class. And, and I, I don't know how somebody can go through uh, as long as a, of a campaign as Donald Trump went through making all of these promises and then literally just forgetting all of them and doing almost the exact opposite. But it's, it's a terrible um, idea. The whole uh, the idea of what's been presented is just it's terrible for middle class families, hardworking families. But it's, it's pretty darn good if you're rich. You know, and, and again, yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's a great selling point. Rich people of America, you're going to get richer. Great. I was worried about them. But, th- <laughs> but this has been their you know creed and they've never they haven't gotten off it we were talking a little bit earlier it started under ronald reagan if we just give the wealthiest people a tax cut it's all going to trick we're all going to be better off right and and then the other creed is we will never do anything that's not paid for okay this, this thing is at least going to cost two trillion dollars oh yeah adding yeah. to the debt yeah it, and yeah. they just say no because we don't care it doesn't matter because we're going to have more economic growth yeah, and, and, and it hasn't worked in the past. Uh, this won't work. It, you, p- people who are very smart on economics are saying this is just a bad idea. Yeah. Well, you touched on this a little bit. When, so <laughs> you've got all these Trumpers in your district. When are they going to wake up and realize that this guy sold them a bill of goods? I mean, he promised them on so many issues and hasn't delivered. Even some things that we don't want to happen, like repeal of Obamacare. Right. But certainly in terms of caring for them, they, they really thought that this billionaire from Wall Street cared about them. And he clearly doesn't. When are they going to wake up and realize that? Well, and, and we, are they starting to? Well, when I when I go to non-political events and just have these conversations, um, I'll tell you what, it's it's it gone from this. It, it was all about jobs when I first started doing these. Um, then that evolved to huge concerns about health care. And I heard about that uh, for the last half a year. And now, Bill, it's really interesting. They're saying just get something done. And they are not singling out Donald Trump as the villain here. They are, they're not bringing up Russia proactively. They're not bringing up impeachment proactively. They're, just, they're saying get something done. I think there's this severe fatigue about the dysfunction out in Washington. And uh, so we've got to stick to... Uh, are what we plan to do. We, we rolled out this better deal economic mm-hmm. agenda. 
And if, if people would take the time to, to listen to us about that, I know it's, it's um, I, I happen to think it's, it's a great approach when we're talking about better jobs and better wages and a, and a better future for people. And we are rolling out these planks that build that up. Just last week, we rolled out one of our um, uh, initiatives to, that calls for getting high-speed Internet access to 23 million rural Americans that don't have it now. You know, th- think about that. If you live in a small town um, and your kids have to sit on the stoop of the, the small town library in order to get access to the Internet, because that's the only way to do it. Yeah. You know, this is going to be a hindrance. Our small towns aren't going to grow as a result of that. So we've got real proposals to help people. And we just have to talk about, you know, here's what President Trump's doing. He's, he wants to cut the U.S. Department of Agriculture budget by 21 cents on the dollar. And, and we want to make sure that we're helping rural America. We do want to invest in infrastructure and bridges and roads. And, and we'd love to invest in high-speed trains and uh, making sure that broadband does get to every corner of this country. And we've got a plan for how we can do that. We're not just talking about it. We have a plan for it. So th- those are the kind of things I think we need to stick to. Well, infrastructure kind of got lost in all the discussion, didn't it? Oh, man. Didn't we, we've got to make it happen, too. But I hear you talking. You're like, let's solve some problems. Yeah. Like, we got yeah. some problems. Let's fix them. We've got right? yeah. Which is, like, which, way better than we hear from the other side. Which <laughs> is just to be what Congress was all about. Right? Yeah, right? And it should and it be was. again. And it should be again. Yeah. I want to ask you a little bit about Illinois Make politics. Congress work again. Yeah. Like we have uh, we have a lot of uh, a lot of good friends out in uh, your home state of Illinois. Who's the next governor of Illinois? Well, we've got uh, a lot of people on the Democratic side who are running. I, I would say there's uh, J.B. Pritzker, who is um, he he comes from a family that has given back a tremendous amount to mm-hmm. our state and to our country. He's got a great sister. Uh, he does have a great sister, <laughs> and uh, um, so he's he's already up in, in advertising. He's opening headquarters mm-hmm. all over our state. Uh, there is a guy named Chris Kennedy of, of the uh, Kennedy family who's running. Um, we've got a, a city council member from Chicago, a state senator named Daniel Biss. Mm. Uh, so we, we've got a crowded Democratic field, and I think that will start to shape up here over the next few months as to, to who looks to be the front runner. Our primary is early. It's in March. Um, but my hope is this. We need to make sure that the person coming out of that primary can beat Bruce Rauner. Uh, Bruce Rauner has been, um, it, in, in my time in Illinois, and I've been a lifelong resident, uh, I've seen four governors go to prison but I've never seen a governor this bad legislatively. He has just, he's been a, um, uh, really done a terrible disservice to our state. We have people leaving our state um, in, in large numbers. Our, our universities are hurting. Um, people who are, um, you know, don't have the kind of resources that we have are hurting. It's, it's just our, our state's in a, in a bad place and we need great leadership. Um, we need a person with guts who's going to make some tough decisions and a person who's willing to, again, work together. And, and if, we, if we don't have that, we're just not going to move forward. Uh, and we don't have time to get into it, but as we discussed off the air, Bruce Rounder's uh, now in a lot of trouble in, in, his, uh, in his own party. So he, yes, he, he is. He may even help probably have a serious primary yes, challenge. Yes, I think that's well. going to happen. Lisa Madigan not running for— That was a big surprise. Yeah. Big surprise. She's she, uh, By the time she leaves next November, she will have been our attorney general in Illinois for 16 years. Whoa. Um, I think by she's, most people's uh, standards, she's yeah. done 
a very good job. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So that'll be interesting, too, to see that race. Right. Uh, and in that Democratic primary for governor, there's no Sherry Bustos thinking about no, it? I'm no, I'm not running. I'm not running. You're not, you're not no. running. Okay. No. Just, just for re-election for Congress. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you got a lot of work to do right here, Congresswoman. So uh, we'll let you get back to work. And thanks so much again for thanks, stopping Bill. by and, thanks and for all your good work. You. Okay. Welcome back with Ben Wickler from MoveOn.org. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Thoughts and prayers? You're in the wrong place. We don't want any thoughts and prayers. We want some action. Thoughts and prayers are nothing but a Republican excuse for not doing anything about gun safety. Hey, hello, everybody. It's Tuesday, October 3rd. Good to see you today. Thanks so much for joining us as we roll through the news of the day with all of you from our studio here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., where, as we predicted yesterday, uh, the White House response to the worst um, gun violence massacre we've seen in this country ever uh, was now's not the time to talk about guns. No. Uh, is there ever a time for Donald Trump? No. Lots to talk about. Not just that. Um, we also want to find out. Uh, we beat back the uh, repeal of health care, of uh, Obamacare, twice. Uh, are they finally going to do the right thing and just fix Obamacare? Ben Wickler led the charge successfully against uh um, the, the repeal effort, Washington director of MoveOn.org. Hello, Ben. Hello. It's good to be here. Welcome back. And uh, we've got the great Peter Ogburn back, it too. It is a relief, from. a relief to have him back on the barricades. The mediocre PDR, Peter <laughs> Ogburn is back. But yes, it's been a weird And he's already gotten into a fight. Yeah? Yeah, well, I, Hugh Hewitt, which I know he's a friend of yours, <laughs> but, like, God almighty. I said, like, I look, okay. I, I made a crazy statement. Okay, do you want to just hold that? For, yeah, I'll just, for just a little bit. I'll just hold it. And we'll pick up on that. I'll just hold it. Stay okay, tuned. We'll, stay tuned. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. We jumped into it with Ben and Peter, but first. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories for you. On this Tuesday morning, some sad news in the music world yesterday. Yes. Tom Petty, the lead singer of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, died Monday evening. After conflicting news reports during the day yesterday, that was terrible. it indicated that I he know. might have actually survived. He went into full cardiac arrest uh, yesterday. A statement released from his family read, quote, he died peacefully at 8.40 p.m. Pacific time, surrounded by family, his bandmates, and friends. Bob Dylan, a good friend of his, reacting uh, early this morning, saying, quote, it's shocking, crushing news. I thought the world of Tom. So I know... Um, I was not a, a huge Tom Petty fan over the years. Uh, many of my friends were. Uh, obviously, he's got such hits that are 
timeless. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, it's just, girl. It, I'm a big ingrained. Tom Petty guy. I'm a big Tom Petty guy. And I was I was recounting. I've probably seen Tom Petty more than any other artist in concert. Is really? that right? Yeah. If I, oh. I was thinking about it yesterday, it's, I think it's probably true. And the thing that I that I think is so interesting about Tom Petty, I listened to him. All the time when I was in high school, I listened to him in college, I listened to him when I was just out of college, I still listen to him now. And, like, everybody kind of has a Tom Petty story, either a concert that you went to or a song that meant something to a group. Like, he touched a lot of people, and he was 66. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. really young. So I, I was pretty bummed about this. And just constant touring. I mean, you Constantly. said how many times that you've seen him. My friends see him like once a year. Yeah. He goes to every state, too. He goes yeah. up to Maine. Wow. He's a real road warrior. He's barely there ever all the gets time. Uh, any concerts. Uh, let's, some good news yesterday. Uh, looks like in Puerto Rico, obviously Donald Trump heading there today, but the governor, Ricardo Rossello, announcing there's some progress in getting fuel supplies to the island with 500,000 barrels of diesel and close to 1 million barrels of gasoline due to arrive in the next few days. And now more than 720 of the island's 1,100 gas stations are up and running, which of course means that folks can get gasoline to power their generators, since so much of the island is still without power. By the way, you mentioned Maine. Yeah, coming yes. from Maine. I just want, can I butt in here on this full no, court? Go ahead, please. Hey, it's my show. <laughs> it is the Bill Press show. I read this in the New York Times today. North Atlantic right whales Okay. were found in the Gulf of Maine, okay? All right. They are... As long as a five-story building and weighs 70 tons. No. Jesus. Well, more good news. Yeah. yeah, right, yeah imagine. Right. Yeah, there you it's go. just like a fun fact in the New York Times. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun fact. <laughs> they weigh as much, they weigh as, much as the space shuttle. A moment the nation needs some fun facts. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like pop-up video in real life. Thank you, Producer Bill. Jamie, you come from Maine. You never told us about these right Well. On TV and online. This is the Bill Press Show. What do you say? It is the Bill Press Show. Yes, on a Tuesday, October 3rd. Uh, no place for uh, thoughts and prayers. We want some action. Uh, as Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut said yesterday, we didn't do anything after Sandy Hook, didn't do anything after Charleston, didn't do anything after the Pulse nightclub. Maybe now, Congress will and should get off its ass and do something about gun safety after Las Vegas. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, looking at you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Also uh, looking at you on Free Speech TV and out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT. And uh, joining us here in studio... Uh, the man who beat back two attempts to repeal Obamacare <laughs> single-handedly with uh, an army ben, of millions. Ben Wickler from uh, MoveOn.org. Hey, Ben, good to see you. Hey, it's good to see you too. And uh, Peter Ogburn is back for two days in a row here. It's we're not sure how long the string's going to last. Will but... I make it for the next hour? <laughs> Stay this tuned. The right whales and <laughs> Peter's back and so so many pieces of good news today. Yeah. Right. All right. Uh, ben, you know, um, we have a little uh, internal business we have to take care of first here uh, because um, we are like Donald Trump. Uh, when somebody <laughs> attacks us, we attack back. Ten times harder. Yes, Look, exactly. Here's the, here's the thing. In, okay. in the last So we're hour, in a little, little tiff this morning with Hugh Hewitt. Hugh Hewitt. Conservative the- re- 
blow hard. I know he's your friend. I know he's your friend, and I'm going to be nice, but I think he's an idiot. But I said last <laughs> oh, I, hour, I, I'm saying this, not Bill. I can, I can see that the fight is dying down clearly, moment by moment. Clearly. You, you are sounding more and more like Donald Trump. Yeah, well. <laughs> Can't you talk about people without insulting them? I'll add in. Next, it's October. It's almost Halloween, and for a ghoul like Hugh Hewitt, it's his oh, favorite God. Yeah, yeah, come on. Let's pile on. Let's get it. Yeah, why don't you call him Little Rocket Man? <laughs> <laughs> Little Huey said, well, so I said last time, look, I, 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 when it comes to guns, I got plenty of people in my family who have guns. I'm not a gun guy. Take them all away and melt them down and just okay. send them out to sea. I don't care. All right. But Hugh Hewitt got very mad about that. So that his dopey followers and a bunch of other right wingers are now all up in our, our our business, saying that we're crazy, like well, this is never going to happen. They're saying that we're calling for bloodshed. By saying that people should have less guns. That's because they would shoot you if you try to take their That's guns. That's what they said. So, like, they're saying, like, oh, big man calling for someone to, to round up the guns. He won't do it himself because he'll get shot. Like, that's the reason people have guns no. is to shoot people who try and take them. Yeah. Let's just ask. I just want to ask Hugh Hewitt, right? Go ahead. You know, why does any idiot need 40, 42 yeah. assault weapons? What do you need those for? Why do you need 42 assault weapons? Or, to better shoot question, people who try and take them. Better question, why should anybody be allowed to yeah. buy 40? Any, not even one assault weapon, I would say, no. But 42? No. Here's a, so here's a, we are a sick country if we don't recognize this as a problem and do something about it. Here's a, here's a, like a, an even simpler question than that. So my, my, my wife is from Arkansas. There's a family friend who has like multiple giant gun safes on his property sure. in rural Arkansas, full, just jam-packed with all kinds of guns. I would be fine if they were legally required to be in a gun safe and they were all registered and their like info was all traced. Sure. I'll you know settle, what I mean? and that I'll would settle be, for that. That would save so many lives. I'll and other that. countries that have right. a lot of guns, they have rules about where you keep them and how they're all registered and tracked. Because the and, goal is and, not to have people die from gunshots. And again, by the way, if we had that, when you buy your 42nd <laughs> semi-automatic rifle, <laughs> somebody might say, what are you doing with all of these? Right, right. you might get a visit. Like you might get yeah. a visit. Yes. Right. yes. Yeah. And like their argument that they're making here about like if you try and take our guns, we will shoot you. Like at no. some point, if you really believe that the Second Amendment guarantees you the right to have that many violent weapons of mass destruction so that you can fight against tyranny and evil, at some point, you're going to have to shoot police officers are, are yeah. members of the military. Uh, like, if that's your argument, which which it is for a lot of these people that we're seeing it play out yeah. right now, you're going to have to shoot armed service members. Absolutely. That's what it is. I, I also sure. don't get, you know, fully automatic machine guns have been illegal for a very long time. <laughs> and the rules around those are like, you know, they're hardcore gun restrictions like you have in lots of other countries where you have to register them, deep background check, take several months to go through, all this stuff. These I I don't really hear these people on Twitter arguing that fully automatic machine guns should be legal. Okay. And you know what I mean? Like they don't I don't know why they're not making that argument. Those are killing machines. Now for yeah. some reason, yes. they're fine with bump stocks that allow you to do fully automatic fire from semi-automatic weapons. The same principle applies, you guys. Like if things are super dangerous that are killing machines, you, you know, put some freaking rules in place to make it so you can't just get uh, 42 of them in duffel bags and go up into a hotel room. And the other thing is, in Las Vegas, you can carry your guns almost anywhere. You can carry them into a bar. 
Yeah. Like that is totally legal. The state there's there's rules that prevent local municipalities from even putting gun laws in place. Like there's so much there's so much preemption of local decision making on guns that it's like staggering and it it puts the lie to all of the conservative arguments about local control, local flexibility, what have you. Yeah. And the thing that makes me absolutely sick, and again, we heard it after Newtown, we heard it after Charleston, we heard it after Orlando, after Virginia Tech, we heard it yesterday from Sarah Sanders at the White House, and we knew it was coming. First question out of the box at the, uh, at the, new, at the press briefing, and here she is, of course. Today is a day for consoling the survivors yeah, right. uh, and mourning those we lost. Our thoughts and prayers are certainly with all of those individuals. Um, this is There's a time and place for a political debate, uh, but now is the time to unite as a country. There have been 273 mass shootings this year. There have been 275 days this year. If you waited for a day after every mass shooting, there would be another mass shooting. Yeah, yeah. We don't yeah. have, there is no time to stop and pause and catch our breath because people are getting shot every day. And you know, I, I tweeted I tweeted a graph of gun deaths per uh, per capita against guns owned per capita, state by state and country by country. And the the, the correlation is blindingly obvious. And conservatives, you know, not all conservatives, but the sort of like gun culture, gun nut conservatives have been tweeting at me that this was misleading because I included accidents and suicides. But guess what? Accidents and suicides are lethal. Yeah. And if you no like, coming back from that. If you restrict unfettered access to guns with people with serious issues, you reduce accidents and you reduce suicides. And those deaths are just as deadly as gun murders. Oh, someone also said this graph might be misleading because you're not including gun deaths inflicted by self-defense. Come on! Like, why do you need a like the amount of gun deaths in self-defense are going to be directly connected to the amount of people who think they're being threatened with guns? Like, all this stuff is connected. And if there's less guns, like, look at Israel. Israel used to be touted by the right as this model of everyone had guns and gun deaths were low. And then they did this study in Israel that found incredibly high rates of suicide by Israeli military uh, officers hmm. and, and soldiers. <laughs> and they thought it through and they decided what they needed to do was change the rules around guns so that people didn't bring their guns home and leave them by their beds. And they did that. They put in very strong restrictions on people's uh, you know, movement of guns, bringing guns into their houses, and suicide rates plummeted. This is like common sense. All the places that conservatives hold up as like, you know, paradises of guns everywhere actually have these common sense rules in place that the United States doesn't and fewer people die as a result. This is like, you, you know... All you have to do is choose life when it comes to guns, and lives are going to be saved. But, you know, th so somehow along the way, we, the majority of Americans, maybe, maybe, I don't know, bought into this notion that the Second Amendment does protect, like, all guns, any guns, anywhere, no matter how many, and no matter what caliber. But now, what I find even maybe more dangerous is that people are buying into this idea that th this is... Well, Bill O'Reilly called it yesterday. This is the price of price freedom. Price of freedom. That this is, we just have to accept this because that's, you know, <sighs> that goes. That's part of being an American. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> no, you're right. You As you said, two hundred seventy-three this year, and that the definition last time I checked is four or more killed. Right. It's a uh, or four more hit. With four more hit. I'm yeah. sorry, not yeah. necessarily killed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is. I mean, this that's seatbelts and smoking are two interesting things to look at. Uh, smoking is still the deadly, you know, the deadliest thing in the United States. More causes more deaths every year than than every other cause. Still, still, 
There's hundreds of thousands. It's connected to heart disease, COPD, lung cancer, you know, all this different yeah. stuff. I think it's like 430,000 American deaths a year. So each of those things, before we put some rules in place, when the lobbies were all powerful, they said, this is contrary to American values. You could never restrict oh, yeah. smoking. Right. This right. is the public will reject it. There's no way. Public opinion right. polls even right. reinforce some of that. <laughs> and then... There was a you know public health campaign and excellent point. We right. started putting some rules in place and it's fine. No, like the number of people who wish that you could walk into a restaurant and have it filled with like secondhand smoke, you know, cancer infliction, is tiny. Almost everyone knows that we are better off now for having put these rules in place. We Re- can do this. Remember the people who said restaurant. The restaurant industry said. Restaurants are going to die, right? <laughs> Nobody will remember. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, that long yeah, ago. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. We've been on the air for twelve years with this show. I think it was during that twelve-year yeah. period. People were making that argument. I remember in California clearly. They said, "Oh, the restaurant business is going to collapse. Restaurants are doing better than they ever have." And yeah. went or and then the, then it went to bars. Well, nobody will go to a bar if they can't smoke in a bar. But guess what? Yep. Yeah. Turns out bars are better. More people go to them, yeah. and you see the people standing out front, the idiots standing out front who want to smoke, right? And so that argument, now the same thing on seatbelts, seat right? Seatbelts. It saying. used to be that yeah. uh, there was this, like, argument everywhere that Americans believe in freedom. The idea of having seatbelt laws was totally contrary to American tradition. There were these debates in social science about, like, maybe America doesn't have seatbelt laws because of, you know, our ancient traditions and what's in the Constitution, <laughs> da-da-da-da. Then they put laws in, and it's fine. It's fine. And right. like deaths in traffic fatalities have plummeted. All you have to do is like look at all the ways that people die and think about, you know, what is the minimally intrusive way to reduce the deaths, and then try it. And like most of the time, it turns out, hey, that was a great idea, and we could do the same thing with guns. And it, like you know, there are so many law-abiding. My my, I recently found my my grandfather. He's ninety-five. He has his dad was a, a military officer, and he has his military rifles, and they're securely stored in his home. And like, I'm not going to like take those. I mean, you know, no offense to the take away, melt them down. I'm not saying we should take those away and melt them down. I'm saying like, <laughs> you know, it's a good idea to have some guidelines in place. Sure. So yes. Those aren't being like, you know, sold it uh, to, to whoever walks up at a, uh, at a gun show without restriction. And he'd be fine with that. Law abiding gun owners overwhelmingly in polls are fine with that. They're fine with background checks. The American public overwhelming support. It is this it is this ideological cluster of like hard right gun fanatics in the in the NRA that are basically now pawns of the industry who have this like militia they, view of, they are of nothing, weapons. They're nothing but pawns of the gun industry. And you know, and then the other side of the coin is the cowardly members of Congress who will not stand up to the NRA. That's absolutely it. And, and you know, they're, they're no balls. And I and Democrats as well as Republicans. So this is, to me, the key thing to take away from this moment. We can recognize Congress is not acting. I think it's worth melting down their phone lines, calling the Senate, calling the House. But the biggest way that we change this is by winning elections. And there's an election coming up in Virginia in yeah, 34 way, days. On this yeah, issue, yeah, yeah, yeah. boom, yeah. bingo. This is, this is it. It's, it's going to be a referendum as much as anything else. It'll be a referendum on guns and gun violence and gun And you safety. know what Ed Gillespie said yesterday, Republican candidate? Now's not the time to talk about guns. Guess what, Ed Gillespie? Now is the time. Yeah, right. We are going to defeat you to make a point about guns. Bought right into the NRA's, uh, 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 you know, thinking and Donald Trump's thinking. Right, they're they're thinking now's not the time. That was Ed Gillespie's statement. Yeah, Washington Post. Yeah, if you disagree with that, then you should go to uh, winvirginia.org 
It might be Win VA. It's a PAC run by Tom Piriello, who's a oh yeah, a friend, yeah. great guy. He ran for governor. He's ran now running governor. a PAC uh, supporting the gubernatorial candidate and all these House of Delegates candidates in Virginia. Give to them. Go to Flippable. They're investing in five particular races. You can give to them. Give to candidates in Virginia. Northam's running for governor against Ed Gillespie. Give, donate to him. Volunteer for his campaign. If you are within driving distance, go down and knock on some doors. Let's make Virginia's election a giant middle finger to the NRA. This is the Wouldn't most important. The, absolutely. Great? This is the most important. And by the way, NRA headquarters is, is in Virginia. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. They're yeah, not going right. to miss the message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most important election this year by far. Yeah. Is and, this, this governor's race in Virginia. And nothing changes what's politically possible like an election. I mean, members of Congress run screaming when they see that the, the winds have shifted. Mm-hmm. So the politics of, of, of guns seem impossible right now. All we need is a few high-profile election victories, and suddenly the NRA will not seem so invulnerable. Yeah. This is It's a strategy. The uh, Every Town for Gun Safety and Moms and Man Action have been working on this for, for years now. They've already done a ton of the groundwork to shift it. But we needed a few more really high-profile decisive blows, and it is so rare to have a, a, a as crystal clear an opportunity as the Virginia election right now. It's not a presidential year. There's not a million things on the ballot. Let's focus the whole nation's attention on this race and show that the gun lobby can be beaten. You know, it, it's so interesting to me that the NRA has this myth of being, you know, the most powerful lobby in Washington and all. I mean, there are plenty, plenty. And Bill, you mentioned earlier John Yarmouth, friend of the show, yeah. who comes on the show all the time and yeah. he says that he gets an F from the NRA. Every single year when they grade politicians in Kentucky. Congressman from Kentucky. Congressman from Kentucky. And he proudly touts that he gets an F from yeah. the NRA. And so you have all these politicians that are so scared. of. And, and by the way, he's been congressman for quite a long time now, and it doesn't look yeah. like he's in any trouble. <laughs> and we have all these politicians who act like they're so scared of the NRA. And, like, they're not yeah. that scary. It's just cowardice, man. Yeah, it is. Move on, moveon.org. Ben Wickler, Washington director here. Ben, talk, tell us about, uh, talk about the, the, the repeal effort. You know, the first time you had all those huge crowds down there, great success. We thought it had gone away, thought it had died, and then they brought it back. Uh, and I was worried that's the second time around. Suddenly it seemed like they had new life. It and, was scary. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, so. I mean, I will, I will cop to having heard some secondhand reports from uh, Republican states that Republican senators thought they had the votes this time. Yeah, yeah. They really did. And they counted wrong in retrospect. And also the pressure, I think, really did change some of those votes. And they were trying to buy some people off, right? Oh, yeah. Throwing money at Maine, throwing money at Alaska. and This was... It is possible that those bribes were so extre- egregious and blatant that they would have been ruled out of order or, oh, or thrown oh, out in court. Yeah. But also, I mean, with these court-appointed judges and with the Mitch McConnell willing to overrule the Senate parliamentarian on a majority vote, those things could have flown. I mean, this I think the danger was really real. It's, it's and worth... people thought that the um, popular um, opposition right would have would have died down, and you couldn't get them back, right? So this is what we keep seeing. Then you must have you must the, have experienced that, right? Getting people pumped up again, yet yeah. Again. So the Republican these Republican plans, they're like fungi; they can only grow in darkness. <laughs> yeah, they grow by cover of night when people are not paying attention. And the Graham-Cassidy repeal—it's actually kind mushrooms. of mushrooms. <laughs> it was like a, it was like this poisonous mushroom growing in a cave. Yeah, and <laughs> it was the the time from when it actually like appeared in public, which was the Thursday before they tried to have the vote, 
Yeah. Until the actual <laughs> vote. It was, you know, it was a very, very brief little window. But in that time, the entire movement that had fought against repeal for months and months sprang back into life. God, there were hundreds them. of protests God, across the country. Yeah. You might have seen the ADAPT protesters, the people with disabilities at the Senate oh, hearing. Yeah, they were. Wow. Yeah, they were on, you know, amazing. And they were dragged out of their wheelchairs by police as they screamed, no cuts to Medicaid. The little lobbyists were back on the Hill every day, these amazing kids and their families who have serious medical issues. And, you know, Move On members, Indivisible members, Ultraviolet, Planned Parenthood, like all these organizations helped alert a grassroots force that is battle-tested at this point. And so people were protesting outside of Senate offices within hours of the bill coming back to life. You know, I, 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 I've told this story before, and I'll tell it again because it made such an impression on me. But uh, right before the inauguration, we had an interview with Bernie Sanders in Bernie Sanders' office. And we went in there. And while we were trying to get set up, we were trying to get some information about some connectivity for, for the, the recording stuff. And I forget what it was at the time, what bill it was at the time, but his, but people were calling their members of Congress. And they said, what? Constantly, constantly. And Bernie Sanders' office, their phones were ringing off the frigging hook. And I said, Do, is there a way that I can get like a like the Wi-Fi password? And she says, oh, it changes all the time. I have to call somebody to get it. But I don't have an open phone line right now to call <laughs> to get that for you, and it like it gum like it gums up everything yes. in Congress and in the Senate, and like people think, oh, I don't really have time to call, or my call isn't going to make much of a difference. It absolutely makes a difference. I mean, it it brought them to a grinding halt. Yeah, like, no, they can, they <clears throat> cannot ignore it. That if is you do that. absolutely true. And during those last few days, uh, Move On works with with some sort of core allies in the fight in terms of how much to push calls to each office. So we, we alert people to when it's time to call the Senate. We send emails, we send text messages, we post things on Facebook, we have all these channels, we can track how many calls go through. Together, we made sure that phones were ringing at least every 90 seconds. And in the, the case of the top Republican targeted offices, it was more like every 45 to 60 seconds. Yeah. They, they were flooded once again. And that's, they just like, for some reason, they haven't gotten it into a, their heads that the public hates this thing. The public hates these repeal bills because these repeal bills are deadly. Yeah. They they did this because their fundraising was drying up. They the reports are have oh. been published in the New York Times, the Washington Post. The senators actually had a meeting where they got together and they showed a graph of their fundraising going down in July and August. And they said, This is because our, our donors don't think we're getting anything done. We're not repealing health care. Well, sorry guys, your donors are not the only people in American <laughs> politics. That's not actually who you're it's elected to serve. Not how it works. We right. are not gonna stop until you stop. All right. Now, it's like a rattlesnake. Is it dead yet, finally, do you think? I've seen people, some people are talking about trying yet again to repeal. So it's deader than it's ever been. But this is a zombie. And zombies claw their way out of the grave. Right. They, they, on, on September 30th, the fiscal year ended. And that means that this process where they had passed a budget resolution, then they passed it through the House, then they almost passed it through the Senate, that goes back to the beginning. We are now back on, on square one again. And that means that we don't have this sort of Damocles hanging over our, our necks, mm -hmm. you know, moment to moment. For, for the last month plus, Mitch McConnell has had two months. Mitch McConnell has been at the point in terms of the process where he could bring up a repeal bill and pass it yeah. with two minutes of debate. Mm -hmm. That is now gone. We are, it'll yeah. now take a while. We will have a bunch of warning signs. There'll be a bunch of places along the process where we can stop it. But Republicans also know that they got pretty damn close. Yeah. And they still want that that money from their donors. Yeah. So they're talking about putting this into the next budget resolution, trying to do it at the same time as tax cuts. 
They, you know, yeah. they think that, you know, John McCain, who is, you know, fighting against cancer, there are some Republicans who are thinking, oh, if the cancer takes him out, we're going to have another vote for health care repeal. And if that if that happens, if there's any other change That's, in the Senate makeup over the next yeah. year, like, believe me, they could try again. So we got to stay on alert. We're not, you know, we're not in a, a crisis with repeal right now, but we need to stay vigilant and keep on fighting to I, stop. This. I don't uh, see them giving up. No, on this. no they're not going to give up. And the way to uh, stay on alert, of course, is uh, sign up at moveon.org. Uh, I know in our house, Carol gets, I don't know how many uh, <laughs> messages from you uh, uh, a day, right? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's great, great movement that you've built. Now, um, in meantime, on the positive side, is anything happening like with this bipartisan effort of Lamar Alexander and Patty Murray? Is that something we should, you know, be interested in? Be there, yes. supporting. Yes. So there is there are nine fronts at this point in the healthcare fight. Um, one of them is a bipartisan bill that would put in place the cost sharing reductions, which are basically payments to make it, you know, less hard for people to uh, afford their uh, healthcare needs. Those negotiations are moving along. It is worth calling senators and urging them to, to pass an ACA fix. And the more the momentum that gets, and hopefully if that gets passage, uh, that makes it less likely that they do repeat right, it because right. they'll have a stake in making it work. Mm-hmm. There's some other fights, too. There's the Children's Health Insurance Program expired on September 30th because Republicans were so focused on repealing health care for, for so many millions of other Americans. So that thing needs to get through. They're supposed to start moving on that this week. They might have a vote tomorrow. Worth calling the Senate and saying no more delays, no more distractions. Reauthorize that program. Nine million kids depend on it for their health insurance. Do, do you remember? I mean, this this happened before we got close to this expiring a, a couple yeah. of years ago, and it was a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, it was a huge deal. Yep. No, the chip and program it just, is poof. Yeah, yeah. This time it's like the one hundredth yeah. story in the country, right? right? And there are states already who are stopped, who've stopped enrolling new kids because they're no, they're going to run out of money. I mean, the money from the federal government has stopped, and some states have like a couple weeks of, of buffer. Some have a few months, but kids are really going to start, you know, not having health insurance very quickly if they don't get that thing reauthorized. Then another uh, another big thing that's coming up: Tom Price, who's a just really a snake, a corrupt snake, who's yeah. been headlining the efforts to rip up the Affordable Care Act from the inside while jetting around on private jets paid for by you and me, he's out. So there's going to be another HHS secretary Mm. potentially confirmed. And right now there's this jockeying for who's going to get the position. This is a moment to call senators and say, hey, don't confirm anyone who doesn't pledge to uphold the law of the land and implement the Affordable Care Act. That's There are potentially millions of people who not get insurance because of all the sabotage that they're doing, which is outrageous. It's insane. That's right. happening right now, it's too. Insane. Yeah. I mean, w- w- one thing that got very low coverage is that you're right. Tom Price, while Congress was debating, right, Com- Tom Price bureaucratically or was doing everything he could to gut Obamacare. One example of this. So open enrollment, when you can sign up for Affordable Care Act coverage, <laughs> it used to be that it would go from November 1st till the end of January. Tom Price, very quietly, cut it from 90 days to 45. So now if you need health insurance coverage and it's, say, January 10th, you go to sign up for it, it is closed. 
there's going to be an outside effort. They At the same time, they cut the advertising budget by 90%. They started defunding the people called navigators who help people sign up for their health insurance. And they announced that for mysterious reasons, the website to sign up will be down for maintenance for half the day on oh, every Sunday yeah. during every the open Sunday, enrollment period, yeah. which is when people sign up for their coverage. Right. So we're actually working with a bunch of friends and allies to do an outside project to encourage people to sign up during this brief open enrollment period. That's something else. If you have a Twitter account, a Facebook account, if you have friends and family, help spread the word November 1st to December 15th. That is open enrollment. That's the only window for people to sign up for Affordable Care Act coverage this year. And, you know, the fewer people sign up, the higher premiums go because you have to yeah. have a big base for insurance. They're, to work. they're taking the same approach to this that they take to voting, which is let's make it as difficult as we can for people to vote. Right? Uh, yep, that's exactly right. And yeah. it is. It is it's, just as much of an insult to the United States of America with health care as it is for voting. Yeah. It's, it is outrageous. It's you know possibly illegal. There are investigations. They've been using taxpayer money to fund propaganda attacking the Affordable Care Act. That might be illegal. There's actually lawsuits pending. There's a, a process underway. But we need to both try to desabotage it through you know all of our efforts and also go after the people who are doing this, try to get a new HHS secretary, and also put some stuff into law that makes sabotage harder. That's what the bipartisan negotiations uh, can speak to. You got it, man. I'm glad you're where you are. Uh, ben Wickler, Washington director of MoveOnMoveOn.org. Thank you, Ben. Full of energy. Go get them. Happy Go to be em. here. So yeah. glad Peter's right. back. Yep. The band's Indeed. all back together. And when we, we come go. back, another good friend, Matt Laszlo, a public radio and um, a contributor to Rolling Stone, joining us in the studio. Attacks like we have seen today have happened all too often in America. Enough is enough. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On a Tuesday, October 3rd, it is The Bill Press Show, and it's good to have you with us. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Booming out to you all across this great land of ours and brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters, the good men and women of our fire fire departments. You know them all, see them in your neighborhood, on the front lines every day, protecting American families under the leadership of President Harold Schaitberger. We salute them, thank them for their good work, and uh, thank them for the support of the uh, program. Um, Peter Ogburn, back for a second day in a row and joining us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm aiming for a full week, man. Let's see what happens. <laughs> good friend of the show and a, a good friend of Peter's, Matt Laszlo. Uh, contributor for Rolling Stone and uh, professor on six or seven university campuses around town. Uh, Shh, don't tell them. <laughs> hey, Matt. How's it going? Not bad. We just saw on a cable um, president of the United States walking out to the uh, helicopter oh, no, uh, with, his, with his wife uh, to, uh, oh, there he's at now. Yeah, it's Marine One. Uh, to uh, On his way to Puerto Rico. What kind of a reception do you think he's going to get down there? A lot of middle fingers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, not happy. Wait, did you hear yesterday? They had a call uh, with the federal government and Puerto Rican officials. The mayor of San Juan was allowed on it, but she wasn't allowed to speak. Oh. 
Oh, wow. Because they really love women in this White House. Clearly. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's ins- that, that fight between Donald Trump and Puerto Rico, which he'll say is not a fight, and he'll put like a couple of like words out about how great the mission is going. And then in the next tweet or the next breath, the next day, you know, he speaks in tweets apparently these yeah. days. He, he, he said, these people want something for nothing. And they don't want to ingrates. Work. In- he-, he called them ingrates. These are American freaking citizens. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. In, in a crisis, you view this through this narrow political lens that just shows how petty he is. Well, yeah. So first, he ignores them. Talks about the NFL. Twenty-two yep. tweets, not one tweet about Puerto Rico. Then he finally wakes up. I got to say something about Puerto Rico. So what he says? Well. Well, you know, these damn people didn't pay their bills and they didn't build their infrastructure. So basically, they got what they deserved. I mean, if you read in between the lines, it seemed to what he was saying. And then, as Peter said, he comes back and says, yeah, they don't want to do anything for themselves. They just want somebody else to do everything for them. And when the his his deputy, whatever her name is, Elaine Duke, right, the Mm -hmm. acting head of HHS comes out and says, oh, Puerto Rico is a good news story. Yeah. It's insane. No, it's not. Well, I think what we saw last week was President Trump realized for the first time that Puerto Ricans were American. Oh, I think. I, I, I don't think he knew that. Yeah. I, I'm still not convinced that he knows that. Yeah. No. no. It's sad. It is an <laughs> island <laughs> surrounded by water, water big, water, big ocean water, 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 ocean water, ocean water. Ocean water. Ah, this guy. I know, and then... They told. Um, that's just, it's just funny. Being from Delaware, that's what the way we. Say. Water in Delaware, New water. Jersey, it's water. Water, yeah, 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 yeah. it's water. Ocean water. Ocean water. Water. <laughs> water. No, there's no way in hell he knows or knew that Puerto Rico was an American, like part of America. Yeah, there's no way. Well, and then last week after Senator Rubio went down there and really started tweeting about this and saying, "Hey, admi- Trump administration, we got to get our act together. This Americans hurting." Still, 44% of the country doesn't have water as of this morning. Um, Trump administration said, oh, no federal lawmakers, so no members of Congress can go down on military flights because there'll be a distraction. What is the president doing down there? Yeah. He wants to be the center of attention. He doesn't want lawmakers going down there and taking a dump on him in their response. But he's going to go. Because- like lawmakers could go down there and actually make a difference yeah. and like do something. He's not. And like Rubio, he sent four of his staff members down there. Some uh, other lawmakers are doing that. And actually you're seeing governors like Christie and them send uh, people down there. You're uh, seeing a better response from the states on this than you are from the federal government. Uh, and uh, some f- from many private citizens. By the way, mm-hmm. uh, Greta Van Susteren and her husband – do they they have a, a operation where they've flown fly over the huh. world at a time of a natural disaster like this? I, I, I emailed Greta yesterday. She and John are in Puerto Rico with a whole gang of people really? down cool. there helping out. Pitbull, 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 yeah, pitbulls. He gave his out. private yeah. plane. I just saw Jeff Bezos in an Amazon plane packed with donations of critical supplies landed earlier today in San Juan. Really? Yeah. So, like Jose Andres, the chef. He's been there. He's for, been yeah. there for weeks, for a couple of weeks. He's putting out ten thousand meals a day. Cool. He just had to move to a different facility, in, still in Puerto Rico, so that he could make more meals because there are that huh. many hungry people right. there. So all those people wow. found a way to get there, right? Not Donald Trump. Yeah. No, and it's his Katrina. Well, and one thing you're it totally is, and one thing you're saying is they need trucks and fuel and all this because they have a lot of supplies sitting there, but it's they need military helicopters. I heard on NPR last week. The general who was put in charge of Katrina 
post. Oh, Katrina. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And he said, right now there's, what, 10,000 troops down there. He said, we're going to need 40,000. And what do we pay $600 billion for this huge military annually for, if not for helping our own citizens? You know? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, meanwhile, I think one of the reasons that Donald Trump is heading to Puerto Rico is he doesn't want to talk about Las Vegas. Um uh, and neither does anybody else, it seems. Um, right. Uh, I'm sitting down later today with Senator Murphy. You doing are. A, doing a Rolling Stone Q&A yeah. piece with him good. at yeah. 1230. Well, well, good. Yeah. So here's Chris Murphy who That's really, a guy who won't let it go. He yeah. won't let it go. He and he it. shouldn't. You know, he, 22 he babies died in his district. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Newtown. And he, he said yesterday, uh, you know, just, Congress has get, got to get off its ass. Do you think yeah. they will? Well, the interesting thing. With Murphy and um, all these, the Everytown group and then Mayor Bloomberg's group, what they've kind of realized is that spending money on these congressional races is fairly useless right now. Uh, they, they are targeting a few, but what they're doing is really going after state legislatures. Because right now Congress is kind of wholly owned uh, yeah, yeah. by the NRA. And that goes for the moderate Democrats who uh, were absolutely. swept into power in absolutely. 2006 when we yeah. had Pelosi as speaker. Um, and... Like the NRA, I think it's a myth of their power. They're not that powerful. They don't even employ, they don't have that much money. They just have the fear of God in all these Republicans and some Democrats. Um, but I think that's changing a little bit. I don't know. No, it's not changing. I take that back. <laughs> I take that back. I misspoke. I, I was, I, while you were saying that, I was wondering, where do you see any evidence of any change? But we have, and we've talked about this earlier in this, uh, today, that there are so many examples of politicians, starting with Barack Obama, that the NRA went out after tooth, you know, tooth and nail, right, after these, and they got elected. You I mean, you can take yeah. on the NRA and get elected. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting the last time, uh, in what, 2016, Gabrielle Giffords' group supported Pat Toomey, um, even though he had that watered-down... Uh, right, quasi universal, not quite universal background check bill with uh, Senator Manchin, but they backed him. So right now, there's an internal debate amongst um, these gun control groups over whether to be purely partisan or whether to try to get one or two Republicans over. And they're getting a couple Republicans, but not many. And you see these bills that the NRA is pushing now: silencers, and they want to reclassify armor-piercing bullets yeah. and not call them armor-piercing. Um, and then also they want to make, loosen restrictions on foreign-made assault rifles to make them easier to get over here. It's like, really? Mm -hmm. yeah. That's We're your priority the, list? We are going in the wrong way so quickly on the gun situation in this country. And I mean, I, you know, you look at what happened in Las Vegas and you look at the videos and there are photos out there of the aftermath of it, you know? And there, it's just a giant field strewn with yeah. bodies. It's... Uh, and, like, it's jarring, but, like, I'm a little upset at myself that I look at that and I don't completely lose it. Right. Because we've seen it so yeah. many times. And I said earlier, guns are now, at a, I mean, it's a cancer on our society. And, like, I understand if you're a hunter and it's a yeah. big tradition in your family, as it is in mine. I don't have any guns in yeah. my house. And I never will. But I've got a lot of relatives who are hunters. And I understand if you want to go out and hunt with a rifle and teach your children how to do that. But, like, semi-automatic weapons? Well, You're I, not hunting with that. Yeah. And I come from a family of hunters, too. <clears throat> but 
we hunt pheasants and you know you have a shotgun for that my dad had what two or three guns um, why do you need a machine gun to hunt why does this guy need 40 guns so i get the yeah. second amendment argument but really this guy needs 40 who needs that and if you and why and if you want him to go to the range hey let's compromise maybe have this big machine gun but keep it at the range. Keep it at the range. You need that Under at your lock house. lock and key and yeah. plenty of watchful eyes. I mean, it's America, so have your toys. But really, you need 40 of these? Yeah. It's freaking gross. And looking at the hotel room, some of the pictures are coming out now. Just all the casings. Yeah. And this guy set off the yeah. smoke alarm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because right. how much? 500 people injured? Nearly 60 dead? That's worse than... What we've seen on the, the worst way, day in Iraq by the way, Afghanistan. That's from the 32nd floor of a hotel 500 yards away. Insane. Yeah. Imagine, you know, heaven forbid he was closer or yeah. had a better aim or had more training. You know well, what well, I mean? Yeah. And there are plenty of people out there that have that. He probably had the best perch. Worse no, yeah. perch. Yeah. You know, in, in other words. Sure. I mean, look, no, I mean, it's, a, it's a giant and crowd of sitting ducks. But what also strikes me is... It's almost like 9-11 in the sense, the planning that had to go into that. Uh, as yeah. someone said, he probably checked out several rooms. Yeah. Because yeah. all he didn't have a job, right? He just yeah. gambled. Mm-hmm. And he knew Vegas. He knew every hotel. He knew that was coming. the concert was coming. He probably checked out several rooms before he... In fact, they said they probably have video of him yeah. standing on the street, God. like looking up at the hotel trying oh, to figure wow. out, now where do I want a room? So what floor would that be? You know, and, and, and getting, he took 10 suitcases into that hotel. So getting the stuff in there, yeah. and the people who cleaned the room, he'd been, been yeah. there since last Thursday, hadn't even noticed anything. I mean, he had this, this planned. was- Yeah, well, meticulously planned. And then also remember, because now we're talking about this mass shooting, <clears throat> I think this is the problem, especially with us here in Washington, how quickly we forget about the last one. Yeah. And it wasn't even Scalise getting shot. You know, there's probably been 10 in between that we don't even talk about. Sure. But Scalise just gets back to Congress yeah. last week. It was emotional. I was there. It was awesome to see him return. Um, but what did Republicans next to him on the baseball field say? Oh, you know, it was the return fire. So we need more weapons. We need uh, weapons on our kids' basketball courts, outdoors, I guess. Weapons on baseball fields. Just think if everyone in that crowd had guns, and then they're all returning fire and shooting up the hotel. Yeah, like, right. That's the thing. Like, the, the, the argument that yeah. they used after Sandy Hook of Wayne LaPierre, who came out very yeah. close to Christmas when this happened, and saying that, you, that, like, the now infamous line, the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Which, okay, like, I don't agree with that, yeah. but there's there's some logic there, right? Like, the people who stopped the bad guy with the gun in the case of Steve Scalise were, you know, Capitol Police and trained. members, yeah. trained professionals right. who had them. But if this crowd, if they all had guns, nothing would have happened. This guy, yeah. like I said, was 500 friggin' yards away in the 32nd floor of a hotel. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to shoot at the oh. hotel? I'll tell you what it would have happened. A lot of people in the hotel would have been killed. Just sure. Which is yep. why the police did not shoot at the hotel. Right? They couldn't because... And they're know. trained. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. It was amazing, though, um, hearing of the time, because now there's... I heard on NPR this morning, there's uh, audio that came out of the police communicating with each other and instantaneously they knew right where he was coming from yeah and they were like oh he's in the hotel and they got units up there but it still took him about an hour this is where 
These guys are well, trained he professionals. Shooting, he was shooting at them through the door. Yeah. And these are trained yeah. professionals. You can't just arm everyone in America because even the trained professionals couldn't take this guy out quickly. So you are over there, Congress, every day. Um, and, it's um, depressing. Why'd you have to remind me? <laughs> right. I counted up the other day. Um, I, men- I mentioned I-, I couldn't find any one source that would tell me how many working days left in 2017. So I just went back at previous months, an average of how many days they worked, and projected ahead. And it comes out to about, if they, if, if they work at the same pace, 40 days between now and the end of the year, when they're supposed to be in session. What are they going to get done? Who even knows? Well, it's funny on the schedule. I have two new interns, and um, every Thursday comes around, and they're like, what are we doing this afternoon? And I'm like, you're done. Two o'clock on Thursday, you're out. (laughs) Congress, they just fly in late Monday night. They're out of town by Thursday, or they fly in late Tuesday, and then they're out mid-afternoon Friday. Mm -hmm. It's a cush little job. (laughs) I know. What, are they going to get done? (laughs) Right. What are they going to get done? Some would argue, like your last guest from Move On. Hopefully nothing. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not of that ilk. Uh, <laughs> I want to see a little legislating happen. But we'll see. We don't want to uh, nothing bad. We, that's what yeah. we want, nothing bad. But anything good at all or anything good or bad? Who even knows? I mean, but, but, but what's your gut tell you? What the They're really pushing. Talking? Right now, Heritage is really leaning on Republican leaders in the Senate to really ram through a bunch of these very conservative judges. Which, keep oh. your eye out for that. Oh, um, okay, that's s- one thing we haven't talked and this about is, at all. Yeah, and this is one thing that the Obama administration and Democrats are really weak on compared to the Republicans. Uh, Republicans know how to go after state legislatures, and one way they do that to taint these laws is to really change the makeup of the judicial benches across the nation. So you're going to have a lot of conservative judges ram through, and one thing they're talking about... Um, is changing this rule called the blue slip rule, where traditionally in the Senate, um, you know, if you have a Democrat and a Republican representing, say, New Hampshire, you need both of them to sign off on any judicial nominations. Yeah. So you right. need support from sometimes both parties. It's been a tradition. Yeah. yeah. And Republicans are talking about doing away with that and just ramming through very partisan uh, judges across the nation, which you won't feel that immediate impact but well, that could potentially yeah, yeah. be felt for decades. Oh, yeah. Some of the people are there forever. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, tax reform? Who even knows? And now what are Trump's people saying? Like, oh, it'll be good if it uh, increases the deficit. <laughs> you need, what, what did Mnuchin say? He said, I think it was him, to get to 3% gro- growth, you're going to need, um, you're going to need a little, uh, to have the deficit go up. These are Republicans. They ran against Obama on this. They're so two-faced. By the way, I wouldn't even mind if they were just consistent and just were straightforward with the American people. Hey, we want to give a tax cut for the wealthiest. That's what we want to do. Because what now? Thirty percent of this only touches the middle class. Have you ever seen a more slippery weasel than Steve Mnuchin? <laughs> I mean, he, he he just offends me. He's so well. And then also, phony. now they're investigating uh, Interior Secretary Zinke for using private planes. Yes. Tom Price just got ousted last week for using private planes. Scott Pruitt. Yeah. Um, um, Shulkin, VA Secretary, and Mnuchin. Well, it came out this morning. New York Times has a good yeah. piece. They're all grifters. They're all grifters. They're all grifters. They're all grifters. New York Times has a piece this morning 
Scott Pruitt has been dining at exclusive fancy restaurants with the same people he's charged with overseeing at the EPA. Just yeah. like he was emailing with Big Gas and Big Oil when he was um, back in his home state. Where's he from? Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. These guys. The Attorney General of Oklahoma. Right. What is it? The foxes in the hen house? <laughs> and there's a lot of foxes. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to yeah. be a lot of hens left. Yeah, no, there aren't a lot of hens left. Well, and that's this where point. this administration is so hard to cover because you kind of need full time reporters on Ben Carson. What's he up to? Betsy DeVos. Betsy what, DeVos. What's she been up to? By the way, Betsy DeVos, who appointed Wayne LaPierre's wife to as one of her advisors on some education board. Yeah. You know what her agenda will be? Every teacher armed. Every teacher right? armed. Right? Yep. More guns in, more, more guns in schools. But that's Just what where we need. this administration is so hard to cover because every one of these things would be a scandal um, under point. any other administration. And now, oh my God, if what Tom reason. Price did, if if uh, Kathleen Sebelius had done that under Obama, we'd still be talking about it. We would still talk about it and how poorly it reflected on Barack Obama. Literally, literally, yeah. eight years later, it would still be a gigantic story. I, I guarantee you. It's also worth pointing out, and it's out. a nothing story in this administration. It was it, like we moved on from that so friggin' fast. I know, but it's worth pointing out that. Barack Obama would never have appointed someone as HHS secretary who uh, was in trouble in Congress for insider tro- stock trading on health care, on health insurance, uh, health industry stocks while he was chairing the assembly or the uh, House Health Committee. Right? It's amazing. Yeah. These yeah. guys are amazing. Total. I no, mean, so what then, did you expect of him? Yeah. Uh, unethical to, from, from the start. Um, you did not mention anything about dreamers we'll see there's some bipartisan stuff on that some republicans i think um senator tillis from north carolina and one other republican are pushing a modified dream act so that's an interesting bipartisan issue but i think trump again he's a little afraid of his base and now after roy moore won down in um alabama and now you have steve bannon from breitbart really emboldened and kind of Threatening Trump even this morning on um, in Axios on um, threatening Trump on just saying it's the end of his administration if he does anything on gun control. You have this little specter of Bannon who thinks he's so powerful and he's going to go after all these Republicans in Congress and try to uh, try to uh, primary them. So Republicans in Congress are a little bit scared. Does he have an organization? Does he have money? We'll see. He. Because what was it? Um, who's that guy? Thomas Massey, a libertarian yeah, congressman yeah, yeah, yeah. from Kentucky. Last week in an interview, he said uh, something beautiful. He said, you know, I thought people like me and Rand Paul were getting elected because we were libertarian. He's like, no, we're getting elected because our voters wanted to blow up Washington. <laughs> it wasn't because of my beliefs. And Roy Moore is going to be a bomb thrower. Trump. His whole base, they're not. Roy Moore is closer to Trump than Trump is. I know. And this is where they're not quite ideological. They really want to blow up this town. And I don't think they know what that means. Um, But we'll see. Jesus. I know. Because they're getting that pressure from their base. And these are the loudest folks out there. And they really just want fire and brimstone on contemporary Washington, which we'll see. I mean, contemporary Washington, the establishment hasn't done all that much good for all of us. But blowing it up, I don't think is the answer. 
Uh, and I don't think Republicans see or even have a unified goal right now. So we'll see. It's a very fractured party. But then so are the Democrats. <laughs> What's their agenda? I, I They're just anti-Trump on everything. I tell you, the Democrats, to me, look a lot more together than the Republican Party does today. I mean, it's the Republican Party's in total disarray. Look what happened last week. Bob Corker resigns. They lost their second attempt at repeal. Yeah. But they're doing it with all Republicans. They couldn't get their own damn Republicans to vote for it. Mm-hmm. And um, the, um, the repeal, oh, Roy Moore, Alabama, yeah. where t- Donald Trump basically goes against his base right, mm-hmm. to support Luther Strange. So they had three big losses in one week. Yeah, Republican you know, like, politicians... Um, have control of yes. the White House, the Congress, the Senate. Let's remind ourselves. Right? They should be getting some things they done. Should be and what kick- have they gotten done? Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court. Yeah. That's it. Period. I forgot That's about it. him. Period. Period. That's it. Period. <laughs> <Your> Sean Spicer. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Laszlo, good to see you, man. Good to see you People all. Find, you find him at rollingstone.com, among other places we won't tell you about. Uh, good to have you in the studio. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Have a great day, folks. We'll see this you tomorrow. is the Bill Press Show.